It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study welcome into this week's edition of the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday february 4th 2010 thank you for joining us on the program tonight as we have an important subject uh, plan to discuss. We're glad that you're out there, and we lo- look forward to hearing from you on the phone or over email tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, <clears throat> great to be with you on this Thursday night. Looking forward to another period of Bible study with our Internet study group on the Virtual Bible Study. And we have new uh, names that we see every week in there. We have some new names as well that we uh, hear from on the program every week, and so we're glad that you're there, whether this is your first time or whether you are regular. We're glad that you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Give us a call toll-free at 877-381-4567 or email your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. As we have a subject planned for discussion tonight that has dire eternal consequences. Yeah, Jacob, our, 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 our theme for study tonight is actually a follow-up to what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about young people in the Bible that could give good examples or for that matter, teach negative, uh, learn from their bad examples and avoid the bad examples. But just young people in the Bible that we can learn moral lessons from was our discussion last week. And so it seemed sort of logical to have a follow-up that to that study, and that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to talk about parents in the Bible. And it is, as I said, a, a subject of eternal consequence because parents are going to be held responsible for how they parent. But uh, souls of young children are at stake as well. Exactly right. So to our update list earlier today, uh, and I think all of our regular listeners surely know, if you're new, uh, uh, we would advise you that we send out an update on Thursdays telling about our program and what our subject is going to be. You can get on that mailing list if you uh, want to get those updates. Send us a message to questions at collegeview.com and tell us to add you to the list. And to that update list today, Jacob, I sent out these simple questions. Give us your list of parents in the Bible that provide positive lessons and examples for parents today. We need to know, in other words, we need to name, but we also need for you to tell us a little bit what you think about the good example that they set. So that's question one, positive examples. Lesson two is just the opposite of that. Give us your list of parents in the Bible that provide negative lessons and examples for parents today. Again, give us some names and tell us what they did wrong and what we need to avoid. Because we can learn from people who made bad mistakes. We don't want to learn to imitate their mistakes. We want to learn to avoid their mistakes. So we can learn from parents that did a bad job as well. That's what we want to do in our study today. We just basically want to do some simple observations from real-life characters whose stories are told in the Bible. All right, and we are assembling a nationwide uh, crowd tonight. We've got uh, Lebanon, Oregon in the chat room. Richard in Lebanon, Oregon is on the line. Uh, Kevin in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, Sharon in South Carolina. And Bismarck, I believe, is 
uh, in Florida tonight. He's a normally a Columbia, Tennessee listener, but I believe he's traveling and uh, and listening remotely tonight. So we're glad that you're all there. If you're not in the chat room tonight and you're watching us from Ustream.tv or from our homepage, follow the instructions that are screaming, streaming across the bottom of the screen to join in with other listeners in the chat room tonight, and we'll uh, be picking some comments out of the chat room. We won't get them all, but we'll be taking some out and to include in the discussion tonight as well. Right at this moment, we're not able to let everybody come in there uh, into the chat room unless you have an account, but an account is a really easy thing to set up. doesn't cost anything, and you don't have to give very much information at all. You don't have to. You can just use a pseudonym and get in there and start chatting away. Most people use a pseudonym uh, in the chat room. Um, and so get in there, get in an account and get in there. Uh, occasionally, Ustream allows us, Jacob, to turn off the moderation and just open that thing wide up to people who, who don't even have an account. But for the time being, if you'd like to be in there tonight, you need that account, but it's no problem to get one. We encourage you to do it. All right. 877-381-4567. No username required for that number. You can call it and join in the discussion. Or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com as we talk about parents. And uh, it is important for us to understand the responsibility that parents have to their children to be the parents that they should be. Our society does not, uh, as a whole, understand the responsibility of being uh, an appropriate parent. Uh, And partly, I believe, that is because uh, our society, it seems, tends to view children as, rather than being a blessing, as being a burden and uh, something that just stands in the way and in, in the uh, between them and their happiness. Yet the scriptures paint an entirely different view of a, of children, and uh, the scriptures don't tell us that children are not a burden or uh, some type of plague, but instead children are a blessing from yeah, God. Exactly right. They need to be viewed that way. I think that's a big problem in the world today. I'm not talking uh, especially concerning Christians, because I think Christians generally have a good understanding of the blessing that children possess and bring to our to our lives. But in the world in general, I, I think there's a, a lots of people do not understand and do not appreciate the blessing that God gives in children. I, um, in a couple of references from the scriptures that just emphasize this idea, when Jacob was returning, you remember he'd had to sort of run away uh, because his brother Esau had said, I'm going to kill him. And so he'd spent a number of years away and he's coming back. And as he approaches, of course, he's scared to death that Esau will follow through with his threat to kill him. Uh, It's a threat that now is, uh, I I would say, I guess it's probably 15, a 15-year-old threat at least at that point in time. Uh, But he's, uh, Jacob is afraid. And so as he's approaching Esau, he is surprised that Esau welcomes him graciously. And in Genesis 33, verse 5, it says, he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Esau saw all these women and children who were with Jacob. And he says, whose are those with thee? And Jacob said, the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. So Jacob had the right view that, that these children were a blessing that God had bestowed upon him. Along the same lines, Psalm 127 expresses similar sentiment. In the 127th Psalm, beginning of verse 3, we read, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Uh, the scriptures, uh, again, tell us that children are a blessing from God, not something to be looked at as a burden or uh, some kind of struggle you've got to deal with. They're a blessing from God, and we need to understand that. 877-381-4567. 
so if that if that's a true statement and it is that children are a blessing then it should be very important to all who are parents that they deal with this blessing from God in the very best possible way in other words this is not a job to be taken lightly this is not something to be disregarded or done haphazardly we need to know the very best things that we can do to bring those children up right all right and it is important for us to understand that hopefully tonight's discussion will facilitate uh, some of that understanding as we look to the scriptures for instruction and specifically we look to the scriptures for examples yeah we're looking for your suggestions to us remember we're looking for positive parental examples from the bible and we're looking for negative parental examples from the bible send us your list uh, let us know some names and some some details that will will uh, sort of fill in the blanks. What can we learn from parents in the this Bible? This is the second week that you've been rather open-ended with uh, your questions that you've posed. Uh, we can go anywhere you want to go. We yep. don't have any fixed uh, uh, topics that we want to cover. We'll go anywhere you want to go. If you have some uh, parents that you look to as examples that are positive or negative in the Scriptures, share them with us. We have a suggestion in the chat room we may get to in a little while. Uh, Kevin says we should uh, look at uh, Joseph and Mary as okay. uh, good uh, positive examples in their raising of of Christ. And so we'll look to that, hopefully, and we'd like to hear from you. And uh, uh, Kevin sends in Samuel's mother, Hannah, as uh, dedicating him to the Lord, and certainly she was a good example. Uh, I like what she said in First Samuel chapter 1, verse 28, Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Uh, Hannah really had a good attitude. Yeah. Uh, she realized that her children were to be raised and to be devoted to God's service, and she was willing to devote them to that. Exactly right. Before we get to some of those more some of those more specific examples of parents, let's just talk about the fact that it is our duty to love our children. Titus 2 verse 4 says that the older women were to teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Now, think about that. If that's something that a person is supposed to be taught, you're supposed to be taught to love your children, then that means that's more than just some natural reaction. That's something specific. Now, tr- the kind of love that we need is something that you have to study and learn and then uh, work at at demonstrating. This is not just you know, it's not it, something that just comes over you in a wave. That's what if you just went out in if you just went out in the community and and you ask any parent. They, do you love your children? They're going to say yes, but they don't have this kind of love that that Paul was talking about there in Titus chapter two verse four when it's a, a love that is learned. You teach it to people; they learn that kind of love that God wants. You and to you have. can look at parents and you can tell that they don't love their children by the way that they're raising them. Exactly. Now they may say, "Oh, I love them," and they may have some type of emotional attachment to their children, but they don't truly love them like Titus is telling us to love them because of the way that they're raising them. Exactly right. In fact, that I think is the full manifestation of that love is if we will go to the effort to train them, uh, bring them up, uh, as Ephesians chapter six, verse four says in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's that's the great love that we need to have for our kids, that we care enough for them that we will teach them God's will and bring them up with a respect for divine authority i like the way anthony put it in the chat room he said remember love is not just hugs and kisses it's doing what's best for them exactly right that's the key uh and, and sometimes uh, you know love is it has, has to be harsh and discipline has to be given in love 
in order for it to be fully uh, achieved, bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. A very familiar verse from the Proverbs, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have, as parents, we have sort of uh, a narrow window of opportunity that we need to realize. And we've got to be working early in a child's life because I really think if you, and, and uh, recently in a Bible class here, we were talking about this. If you were to chart, I don't have anything to write on here, but if you were to chart parental influence versus time, it starts out when, when, it, when it, you have a newborn in the house, the parent has all control over what that child does. He, the parent is fully in control. And as that child grows older, that, that parental influence decays away. Hopefully, you will, we'll always have some influence over our kids, no matter how old we are or they are. But you're going to have a lot less influence as time goes on. Your maximum influence is in the early years of life. And that's when parents have to especially pay careful attention to their duties to bring their children up in the fear of God. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. If you're just joining us on the program tonight, we're talking about parents in the Bible, a follow-up to our program last week in which we discussed young people of the Bible. It is a natural follow-up to this week to talk about parents in the Bible and the good examples of parents and bad examples. And so if you have any parent that strikes you as being someone who would be a good or a bad example, send that in. Uh, we can talk about it. We uh, don't have a fixed uh, outline that we're going to go by tonight, so we're just taking your comments, and we'll add ours in as well as we go. 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching our video feed tonight, join in the chat room. Follow the instructions that are at the bottom of your screen, and you can join in a chat room with other listeners on the program tonight. Jacob, just a minute ago, I was mentioned that love, proper love is going to cause us to discipline our children. I got a few verses here from the Proverbs on correcting our children. Let me read them real quick. Proverbs 13, verse 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. Notice that would be the opposite of love, right? If I spare my, spare the rod, I hate my son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Proverbs 19:18 Chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Again, notice a window of opportunity while there is hope, while you have time to do it. Proverbs 23:13 Withhold not correction from the child for if thou beatest him with a rod he shall not die. Whenever I read that beating a child, uh, we have to comment the Bible certainly not teaching or uh condoning child abuse uh, the word is not to be understood that way obviously but it is endorsing corporal punishment exactly and right. uh, cannot be denied and proverbs twenty nine seventeen: correct thy son and he shall give thee rest yea he shall give thee delight to thy soul you know one of the things that parents need to realize you need to do your job while you can because if you don't then you're never going to get done with it you're going to you're going to be suffering the consequences we, we, we know people who have done a miserable job of raising their children, and they and now they're reaping the consequences of that. Their, their lives, not only their child's life, but their own lives are devastated by the For the, the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives. Yeah. So do, uh, as the proverb says, correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. He shall give delight to thy soul. And the other side of that is also true. Fail to correct him, and you'll have no rest, and your life will be misery. And, you know, you talk about while there is hope, and you talk about that window of opportunity. That window is much shorter than many people would like to admit. You know, you have known children in the past. I have as well. 
when they were not that old, that window was already closed. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even to the teenage years yet. They had missed out on the opportunity, and they'll never be able uh, to get back the opportunity that they've squandered. Exactly right. All right, we need to take a break, and while we're gone at the break, we want to hear from you. Join in the discussion, send us your emails, or better yet, give us a phone call. It's toll-free. We pay the bill, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Hello, my name is Trent Haynes, and I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. In a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verse 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Parents need to read and understand these passages. So too should our children. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the program tonight as we talk about parenting. And Richard in the chat room has put it well. He says parenting is the best and hardest job we'll ever have. And since it is a difficult job, we want to look to the scriptures for guidance in that job tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you. We're starting to get some good examples uh, that are being posted there in the chat room. I haven't gotten any emails, uh, any additional emails from anyone. Uh, you can... You can get to us both ways. We we always are going to see the emails. We may not see everything that goes on in the chat room, but we'll try to get your comments. Let's start out, Jacob, on some of these good examples from the Bible uh, that will help us, give us encouragement to do our job well. I want to start out with one, Jacob, the man Abraham. And Abraham, uh, a statement was made about Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 19, that I just think is very remarkable. Yes. God says concerning Abraham, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. I'm telling you, what a wonderful thing that God had that kind of confidence in Abraham. That's obviously had indicated that Abraham had set up had established a track record of doing things right, doing things well. You know, you don't you don't make such categorical endorsements of people. God certainly wouldn't, and we wouldn't either, unless somebody had had already demonstrated that they're doing a good job. And so, as as parents, all of us ought to have that objective that that God would have that kind of confidence in us. I know Him. I know that he will command his children in his household. And part of this also that we need to understand is part of being right with God is how you direct your children and how you direct your household. You know, some people think, well, I just, I'll do what I need to do and, 
if my children do the right thing or if they don't, then that's up to them. No, you are responsible for how you direct your house. Exactly right. Now, in the case of all of these parents, we're gonna, we realize that all human beings have their flaws and faults. Nobody's perfect save Jesus. Uh, and Abraham had some issues uh, that developed in his life, and the Bible describes them. But this statement from God about him and the confidence that God had in him that he would do the right thing is, is really remarkable. Um, and, and notice, it, I know that he will command his children after him. I know he's going to teach them and instruct them. He's going to give them that admonition. He's not just going to raise his children and they'll turn out to be whatever. Suggest that they do. Yeah, I, I give them some suggestions or I hope they turn out right. I'll just lead by example. Uh, yeah, I'll just lead by No, I know that he will command his children in his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord. So I would, I would mark Abraham down as a, a strong example of a good parent. Uh, we don't have, we don't have tremendous amount of detail in, in all the things he did, but we know that he set an example of faith for instance, in the matter of offering Isaac as a sacrifice. What a powerful example of faith. I'm going to do it because God told me to do it. I don't have to understand why. I'm just going to do it. I was just going to mention that because it does say here that he would command them. But you got to do more than just command. You also have to give that example. And certainly what a wonderful example he gave to Isaac, an example Isaac would never forget as he thought back to his father. His dad wasn't just saying to do one thing and then living some other way. He was committed to living that way himself and giving the good example. Exactly right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. The phone line's open. We want to hear from you or send in your emails to questions at collegeview.com as we talk about parents and the challenges that parents face today. Um, I, I don't know if we can keep these all in chronological order or not, Jacob, but in the chat room was suggested Noah as a positive example. And I think that's a pretty good one to consider. In in our day and time, the world is so bad. And I think we tend to offer excuses for ourselves in, lot, in lots of areas. But one area that, that a parent might try to excuse failure is by saying, well, I didn't, I'm not doing a very good job with my kids, or I didn't do a very good job with my kids. But, man, look at the world we're trying to raise our kids in. Look how bad it is. Uh, no wonder I couldn't do better. Well, we 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 certainly live in an evil time, but we're only kidding ourselves if we think it's worse now than it's ever been. Sure. Yeah. And think about Noah. In the case of Noah, there wasn't another righteous family in the whole world. Yep. But Noah was able to raise his boys and raise his boys to the point that they would choose wives out of that wicked world and influence them. Right. And and uh, save his household from the flood because he feared God. Uh, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Genesis 6. You, you said something that's scary there, the, the, uh, the idea that someone would make excuses for not doing as they should. We can't afford to do excuses. There are souls at stake here. Exactly. Uh, and it is outrageous to make excuses and just sort of let down our, on the job. Noah certainly didn't, even in the wicked world they lived in. I, I think the example of Noah to, is the example of it can be done. If I was, if I was going to sort of summarize the example that I would take from Noah, I would say Noah teaches us it's doable. You can do it. Sure, the world is wicked. It's a very bad day. There's all kinds of evil and there's all kinds of bad influences that are trying to rip our kids away from us and away from God. But you can do a good job, and Noah is proof of the fact that it can be done. The world today is not as bad as it was in the days of Noah. And yet he was able to raise his boys faithfully. And I think one really... Uh, powerful point about how how much 
um, emphasis was placed on that was that those boys had to have married girls from families that were not righteously serving God, and yet they were able to bring them in to the family, and, and they were saved as well. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Need to give a shout-out to John in the chat room tonight. He's been listening to the program, I guess even viewing the program, on his cell phone out in Oklahoma City tonight. So glad to have you on the program tonight, John, as well. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, Again, we will try and monitor the chat room, but a guaranteed way to get your thoughts known to the group tonight is to send us an email or, better yet, Make a call to 877-381-4567. Well, we're not in chronological order already. Noah would have been before Abraham, obviously. Yes, he would have. So we're already out of order. Uh, Let's pick up another Old Testament one, Jacob. Job is another good example of of, uh, a parent who made an emphasis on his children. And there's a real interesting statement in Job chapter 1, verse 5, when you know, at the start of the book of Job, it's just describing his righteousness and, and how he lived his life before all the calamities began to befall him. And in Job chapter 1, verse 5, it says, It was so when the days of their, talking about his children, when the, the days of the children's feasting, the children had would get together for various feasts, and when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. We remember that during that patriarchal age, the heads of the families, the patriarchs, served as the family priest. And Job was really concerned about his children being in a right relationship with God. He And he didn't want to leave anything to chance. Notice he would make sacrifices because he said it may be. He didn't he didn't know that, that there was necessarily a problem that needed to be covered, but he didn't want to leave anything to doubt. And so he would offer sacrifices just to be sure, just to be safe with his kids. And that's I really believe that's the way we need to approach raising our kids in this day. I don't want to leave anything to chance. I'm gonna go the extra mile. I I I wanna I wanna be definitely sure that I'm doing all I can to ensure their spiritual well-being, that they'll be in a right relationship with God. All right. A lot of times, though, we look at Job, as you said, making money to make sure, be safe. A lot of times, though, don't you hear parents say, well, you just can't win them all, or you just, you know, you're not going to be successful at everything, and just sort of giving themselves an out on a lot of different things? I don't, yeah, I think so. And I've talked to parents who said, well, I did the best I could. And, and, And yet, you know, the evidence is pretty obvious that they didn't put the emphasis on raising their kids that they should have. You know, I I think that's a dangerous statement to ever make in regards to anything, parenting or anything else. I did the best I could. No, I didn't do the best I could. I could have always done better. I need to do better. You know, anybody who says I did the best that I could doesn't realize. Wasn't being very That's uh, not That's objective. not an honest evaluation. Exactly All right. right. All right. 877-381-4567. Give us a call tonight. As we talk about parents, all right, a lot of chatting going on there in, in the in the uh, chat room, and you'd do well to get involved in that. Jacob, we're still under moderation, I guess. We are for the time being, but we're getting close. Maybe if we get a few more listeners in there, we can uh, who are signed in. We, there, it seems to be there's uh, some limit to, as to the number of people. Then the more people that we get in, the more likely it is that we can turn off the moderation. So okay. We're still getting some suggestions, and we're interested in your suggestions as to people who 
were good and bad parents. We're going to talk about bad parents later in the program. Right now we're trying to get some good examples. And, Jacob, just before our mid-program break here, let's just emphasize again about Hannah. That was one of the first suggestions that came in the chat room, that Hannah was a good example. And I think she definitely was. We know, of course, that Hannah was the mother of Samuel and that that she was – I think she was probably particularly conscious of the fact that her son was a blessing to her because she had been barren mm-hmm. and uh, she prayed earnestly to have a child and God granted her her, her uh, wish, her prayer, granted her prayer. And Samuel was born to her and she had made a vow, made a promise that if she could have a child, that she would devote that child to the Lord's service. And so at a very young age, Samuel was was taken to the tabernacle and and he served even as a just a boy uh in in the work of God and Hannah you know one, one of the things that is impressive about Hannah is that she she followed through with what she said she would do right it would have been easy to say well uh, I'm going to back up on that promise a little bit but she followed through and you have to believe that some of Samuel's goodness was certainly related to the goodness he saw in his own mother all right yes certainly and uh, we, we contrast that today with parents who, rather than taking them to worship, would be interested in taking them to the ball game or uh, on the fishing trip, rather than realizing that he needed to be dedicated to the Lord as well. So we uh, certainly get lots to learn from that example. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com as we do take a break and get this week's bullet point. And looking forward to hearing that and looking forward to taking your comments on the other side of the break. Join in on the discussion now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. On January 18, 1982, Major Norm Lowry led the Air Force Thunderbirds in practice flying drills over the desert sky in Nevada. He was the leader, and three other jet aircraft were flying in formation just three feet from his wingtips. At 500-plus miles per hour, there's little margin for error. The leader is the key. The others ignore their instruments, even disregard their relative location to the ground. They only watch the leader, and they imitate his every move. On that fateful morning, as the formation made a dive for the earth, something malfunctioned in Lowry's controls. He was unable to pull out. Helplessly, he crashed into the ground, and the others followed. It's hard to imagine a more dangerous activity than this, yet you are presently engaged in just such an activity. We're speaking here about your soul and eternity. What you're doing, who you are following, will determine whether you spend eternity in heaven or hell. Beware, Second Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 1 says, There shall be false teachers among you, and they will bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. The fact of the matter is that many in the religious world have no idea of this danger as they follow such false teachers into judgment. We must be certain that we're following Jesus who, quote, left us an example that ye should follow in his steps, 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Carefully obeying his will is the only way to salvation. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad that you're a part of it. This program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to come and visit with the College View Church of Christ at your earliest convenience. Find out 
uh, how to get to the meeting place of the church at our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And even if you're not in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we'd like for you to find out more about the College U Church of Christ. Visit, again, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you have any questions about what the College U Church of Christ believes or practices, contact us anytime over the phone or over email. We'd love to hear from you. We're talking about parents on the program tonight. It certainly is a challenging job for uh, parents uh, to raise their children as they should, but the Scriptures give us a lot of positive examples. We're looking to do the positive now, and we'll get to the negative uh, before too long uh, of how we should raise our children. Jacob, I just see a note from Sharon in the chat room. She mentions Enoch as one who must have been a great father. That's kind of an interesting observation. I appreciate it, Sharon. Think about Enoch. Enoch was, of course, one of those unique cases. He he didn't die at uh uh, 365 years old, I believe, he was taken away by God. He he was transported away. Uh, he didn't see physical death. So certainly that would indicate he was a great man. But here's his lineage. Enoch was the father of Methuselah, who was the father of Lamech, who was the father of Noah. So Noah, who ended up being the, the last righteous, his family was the last righteous family on earth, was in that descendancy from Enoch. And so... Uh, and Enoch is in the, the book of Jude calls Enoch a prophet of God, and so he was a he was a great man. He was he was good enough that he didn't even suffer physical death. God took him away, but his his descendants remained faithful too. And that's wouldn't you think that's a real test of of a man's life? Is if his children and his children's children and his children's children beyond them remain faithful to the Lord? I mean that'd be a you can talk about leaving legacies on earth. To me, that'd be the greatest legacy you could leave behind is faithful children and it's the only thing grandchildren. That yeah. That's right. Exactly. Uh, certainly. Uh, recently attended a funeral where uh, the man had passed away and uh, certainly wasn't a wealthy man. His children commented about how little they had had growing up. But they said, Dad was always there, and Mom and Dad were there with us, and, uh, and that was so much more important than uh, the material. And certainly... A lot of fathers and mothers, too, in our society today have left the family in pursuit of the material, and they're not leaving the legacy. Maybe they are leaving a big estate. Maybe there is a big will, uh, but they're not leaving the legacy that you mentioned there, Dad, of children who are faithful to the Lord, and certainly that is the only thing that matters. Let's Eight, talk, okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was going to say 877-381-4567 is the number to call. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use or join in the chat room with several listeners in there. Lots of chatter going on tonight, so you would benefit uh, by hearing that as well. Got an email from Joshua in Kokomo, Indiana. Joshua, thanks for participating in the virtual Bible study. He says, I love the positive example of Zacharias and Elizabeth who were, quote, both righteous before God, Luke 1, verses 5 through 6. God wanted two strong parents to raise up the strong figure who would prepare the way for Jesus. Of course, that being the mother of John, mother and father of John the Baptist. And again, both were righteous before God. So God knew them. He knew their lives. And I think as Joshua said, it was important God for God to choose two morally and spiritually strong people who would be able to be the parents of this forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. And he chose Zacharias and Elizabeth. So there's, there's an example, again, of some people. God knew them, he, he, and, of course, God knows us all. But he had confidence in them that they would do the right thing in raising their child. And we ought to comment while we're, while we're talking about these positive examples. We're, we've not talked about anyone yet who was born a good parent. 
And a lot of people think that you're just born a good person, you're just born a good Christian, it happens to you or it doesn't. No, these are people who gave themselves to the Lord in doing his will, and uh, it wasn't something that they were just born with. And uh, certainly it's within all of our abilities to be what God would have us to be. Yeah, I think that's a good point that nobody is – this is not innate ability. This is not something that you're born with. This is something you've got to develop. But i tell you something that is also a, a kind of a terrifying thought is that as parents, we are establishing the role modeling that our children will use when they become parents – so if if we're doing a good job as parents, then our children are going to see that, that and that's going to serve as the principal basis upon which they become parents later on. How on they, the job training, sort of. Or, well, they're watching. They're yeah. learning by our example. The the scary thing, though, is on the other hand, then if we do a bad job, then our kids are going to learn that bad example from us too. All right, it's certainly so. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. The line's wide open. It's been quiet tonight, but we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. What are your thoughts about children and parents who are raising their children? What are some good examples of children? Maybe you send in a one-word comment of someone who you think is a good example tonight. You know, all the examples we've talked about so far, Jacob, have been, well, now we just talked about Zacharias and Elizabeth from the New Testament. We've talked mostly about Old Testament examples. Let's look at a couple of more New Testament examples. One that was suggested in the chat room a while back, and I noted it here on my paper, Joseph and Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, uh, they were they were obviously people who were committed to the Lord. Again, God chose Mary out of all the available virgins in that day. She was the one chosen to be the, the mother of the Lord. And so she was an excellent person. And you have to believe that Joseph was also a spiritually commendable fellow. He was in the matter when when it was revealed that Mary was with child and he knew it wasn't his child and he was willing to to stand by her and accept that reality uh you know he had to be a man of faith as well we see we don't see a long story about Joseph we see him there at the time that Jesus was born we see him when Jesus was 12 years old when they were with him in Jerusalem but you have to believe that Joseph and Mary serve as as a positive example of parents uh, and and I don't think that it was exclusively by their parenting example, but they are the only parents in the world who ever raised a perfect child. Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot a lot of a lot of grandparents might argue that their grandchildren are perfect. We know that that's a prejudiced view, but we can say without fear of contradiction that Joseph and Mary are the only parents that ever raised a perfect child. All right, and uh, along the lines, we're getting into the New Testament. Someone has said there aren't a lot of parents in the New Testament. Well, we don't know of the, their parenting skills, at least uh, as proficiently as we do in the old testament but uh ones that we would have to comment on would be lois and eunice the yeah, mother Anthony, and, anthony's mentioning them in the in the yeah, chat room Lo, right now lois and eunice the grandmothers of and mother of timothy certainly did an excellent remarkable job with timothy and as i think we noted last week on the program uh, they did that without the encouragement of timothy's father apparently um who they were dedicated to bringing up timothy as he should be yeah you know uh, i think that timothy's mother might be sort of the uh, a prime example for what are being referred to now as single parents and unfortunately there's a lot of those and among christians unfortunately because divorce has become so more prevalent so much more prevalent there's no doubt maybe even listening tonight some in, who are trying to raise children either they they don't have a mate currently 
or the mate that they have is not cooperating with them in trying to raise godly children, uh, Timothy's mother stands as a good example for them. In first, or excuse me, Second Timothy one verse five, it's Paul said, "I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also." So the mother and the grandmother had strong faith, and they conveyed it to Timothy. Yeah, that's that, right. And and in that same uh, epistle, Second Timothy three. Verse 14, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which were able to make thee wise, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Notice, Timothy's spiritual training didn't happen later in life. No, not Obviously, he was strongly influenced by the Apostle Paul when he came to know him and work with him. But Paul said it started way earlier than that. It started when you were a child. All right. It does, and uh, certainly is important. Thank you for uh, bringing that up uh, in the chat room, Anthony. Uh, certainly it is a good example of uh, of some mother and grandmother there who had an important role to play. And certainly, you know, we talk about fathers and their role of uh, being the leader of the of the household, but uh, certainly mothers uh, have an enormous role, perhaps even a greater role, as uh, Lois and Eunice show us there. A comment in the chat room uh don't know much about the parents of Timothy except the results. And I think that's true. I mean, we don't know. We don't know the specifics of how they raised Timothy, although we do know that they taught him the word of God early on from a child there, Second Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. But results are the real test, I mean, or the real proof, I guess. Of uh, and, and in the case of Timothy, they did a great job as proved by his life. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Jack, who's listening tonight in uh, Meridian, Mississippi, uh, wanted to mention um, the household of Stephanus uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. You know, he's one of many that we could look at in the New Testament who who did have their household, who were faithful to the Lord. Um, it appears to be that uh, Philemon would be another one. Uh, who is mentioned? Who did, did you notice this statement about Stephanus in First Corinthians sixteen fifteen? I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Oh man, what a strong statement that is! And it's not; it wasn't Stephanus alone, but it is the whole household of Stephanus, and so his family, which although his children are not specified there, you'd have to believe that included children. Likely, likely included children. I'd say it that way. But but what a strong statement when it says they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They are addicted to serving others. What a what a great thing. All right. And certainly uh, we see parents there who are setting the tone for their family. Yeah. Uh, and the focus. You know, uh, parents do set the tone and focus. And uh, certainly there's nothing wrong with recreation. But how many parents have made that the focus of their family and uh, the priority of their family and the time that they spend together is going to be spent on recreational pursuits to the exclusion of serving God and their fellow man as they should. Uh, certainly we see a, a different example there presented in the household of Stephanus. Stephanus, it appears, was setting that a right focus for his family. Okay. We want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. We are coming up on a break. Why don't we take the break just a few minutes early 
And then we can just spend the last chunk of time talking about the bad examples because there's numerous yeah. uh, okay. get, examples. Get, get lined up, everybody who's listening. Get lined up. Give us your examples. We've got several in mind. Some have been suggested already. Let's talk about those that we can learn not learn to not imitate them because they, they did a bad job. Okay. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study goes to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back into the Virtual Bible Study tonight as we discuss parents, and we've talked about a lot of good examples. We want to look at the negative examples and the remaining Minutes of the program tonight, if you have a negative example, send it in in the chat room or send us an email of people in the Bible you look to as examples of poor parents. And uh, certainly there are numerous uh, parents in the scriptures who are presented as poor. Um, one of the ones that just stands out, I think, as a bad example of a parent is a man who, by all accounts, I think, was a good man otherwise. I'm talking about Eli in the Old Testament, Jacob. You know, there were commendable things about Eli. He was he was a uh, one of the judges and a priest of God. And he there seemed to be a number of commendable things about Eli. But the, the his legacy, I think one of the main things he's remembered for is what a bad job he did as a parent. <clears throat> and it says in first Samuel, chapter three, verse 13. God said, I have told Eli that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. In other words, he knew what was going on, and he didn't try to put a stop to it. And the vileness that's mentioned here is not vileness that was being conducted by adolescents. They were well of of years, and he still was responsible. He, He didn't do what he could to stop them from doing that. And so notice the accountability. I think one of the strong lessons to learn from that story is the idea of accountability. If we do not do our job as parents well, we're going to be held accountable for that. God's going to judge us for that, as he said he would judge Eli. And wouldn't it be something that that, that 
a man, a woman, a husband, a father, a wife, a mother <coughs> could be lost eternally because even if they did everything else right, they neglected to raise up their children faithfully and they could be lost eternally because of it. All right. We have another example from Sharon in the chat room. Saul is being a poor example of a parent and certainly uh, Saul's uh, jealousy of David would be something that his children would have seen as well. And, uh, yeah, in first Samuel misbehavior. chapter, first Samuel chapter twenty, verse thirty-three, Saul even tried to kill his own son Jonathan because he was so uh, jealous about the matter with David that he he just went mad over it, and he even tried to kill his own son in First Samuel twenty, verse thirty-three. You know, we look at these bad examples, and you think about even then how it relates today. Who parents who, if they're not going to live right for themselves, why wouldn't they at least live right for the influence that they'd have on their children? You know, and. Uh, Certainly, uh, we see uh, parents today who are making the same mistake. I, I want to go back to an email from Joshua in uh, in uh, Kokomo, Indiana. He said, uh, I can't help but notice an interesting point about Adam and Eve as negative parenting. Genesis 4 verse 1 says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Meanwhile, Cain and Abel offer their sacrifices, talk, and eventually Cain kills Abel in chapter 4. The next time you see Adam and Eve, what are they doing? Genesis 4.25, it says Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. Where were Adam and Eve as Cain and Abel were worshiping, talking, fighting? The text says nothing about their presence. Sadly, many parents are good at procreation, but not so good at being a presence in their child's daily lives. What does Proverbs say? A child left to himself brings his mother to shame. So I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. It's sort of an, that's an observation about Adam and Eve that I hadn't really thought about. But it is true that in that episode where Cain killed Abel, where were Adam and Eve in the process of that? They were not in their lives as a as an influence to protect them from doing wrong. Okay. Uh, certainly, we have to be involved as parents. Uh, all right. So thank you, Joshua, for those comments. Okay. Uh, lots of comments in the chat room tonight. Uh, Sharon's made another good suggestion. She says Manasseh was a, an example of a poor Christian, a poor parent. Yeah. I th- I th- King Manasseh, Second Chronicles chapter thirty-three, verse six. It says he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the sons, son of Hinnom, and he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So, I mean, here, here's a parent who even offered his children that expression. And when we read it in the Old Testament, he caused his children to pass through the fire. That means he offered his own children as as human sacrifice to idolatrous gods. You can't think of hardly of a worse parent than that for sure. Exactly right. And then uh, we have one from uh, Neutron John in the chat room. He says Herodias was a, a poor parent as well. And certainly her example was uh, very detrimental. Exactly. You remember that story in Mark chapter 6 when her when her daughter danced before King Herod. Apparently, uh, the implication at least is that it was a lewd dance uh, before Herod and, and those who were with him. And, and he, it pleased him and he offered her what she wanted. She went to her mother and asked what do you, what should I ask for? And her mother said, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a charger. Uh, uh, John, uh, Mark 6, verse 24, she went forth and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. So she went back and asked for John to be beheaded. Herod was sad at the request, but he wouldn't deny it because he'd made a promise and he didn't want to 
be shamed in the in the presence of others who heard him make that promise. So he did that, and John, of course, was executed uh, at that request. I mean, and of course, Herodias was bitter because John the Baptist had spoken out against their marriage. It was an unlawful, unscriptural marriage. It was sinful. They were living in adultery, and John the Baptist had 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 pointed that out. That's why he was in prison, and that's why he lost his head. And it was because Herodias was so hateful and spiteful toward him. What do you think the influence of that was on her daughter there? Obviously devastating. You know, one that we skipped over in the Old Testament that we could certainly spend hours discussing would be the poor example of Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, Athaliah, you know, we see as we study the, the successive generations beyond Ahab and Jezebel, we see that repeated over and over the legacy that they left in their poor example to their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And um, certainly we see that today, Dad. You know, you see you see families where the children grow up to be very weak at best uh, Christians, and you look back at their parents and you see that it's just a vicious cycle that is repeated over and over again uh, where parents have left that negative legacy uh, on their on their offspring. Yeah, I, I was... Uh... Trying to go back to one that was mentioned in the uh, chat room earlier, and, and now it's uh, it's such an old comment that it's gone off the board. Uh, but somebody in the chat room had mentioned David, and there were some comments going on in the chat room about David as being uh, a failure as a father. And as as good a man was, a man who was described in the Scripture as a man after God's own heart, he did have some real problems in his family. Of course, it was prophesied that he would. When he committed the sin with Bathsheba and when he murdered Bathsheba's husband, Nathan the prophet said the sword would never depart from his family. In other words, you're going to have consequences of this in your family ongoing. And he did. Uh, and, of course, we remember that uh, uh, one of his sons uh, basically raped one of his sisters. Uh, and then, of course, Absalom led a rebellion, tried to overthrow his father from the throne and, you know, there was just lots of trouble in David's family. And you have to wonder, again, David in many ways was a great man. But he, he because of some specific failures that he had committed and that were well known, his, his children knew of those crimes and those sins. And, you know, uh, maybe the lesson we can learn from that, Jacob, is, is if we do a generally pretty good job, of trying to live a faithful life, but if we let down in just a few points. Kids, I I think it's a true statement, a true observation. Kids learn the negative things easier and faster than they learn good things. You can set a good example a hundred times, miss the mark once, set a bad example once out of a hundred times, and the kids will key in on that one bad example that they saw. That's 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 just reality. And as parents, we've got to be aware of that. We've got to be on our guard then, working overtime to maintain a right example before our children. And in the story of David, that may be exactly the case. All the good that he did, he still had lots of trouble with his children, and it, it related to some of the bad things he did. Certainly so. And, you know, we should not leave here uh, tonight without mentioning there are some examples of, of children in the New Te- in the Old Testament who turned out better than their parents, uh, who had wicked parents, and yet the children turned out okay. And that certainly happens. It happens today uh, because we all are, are, are responsible for our own uh, relationship with God. But 
uh, majority of the time, as we read about it in the scriptures and we see it today in real life, uh, we see children who are going to be at best on par with their parents and more than likely be uh, less than their parents if their parents are not living as they should. All right. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, well, I was going to try to, to offer an example of that. We, we commented about Manasseh. Uh, he, he was he was a wicked king, and he had but he had followed Hezekiah, who was a good king. But Hezekiah's father, and now I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the names, was a bad man. So it went evil, good, evil. So I mean, you two two things, two observations. You can be a good parent, and your children still do bad because they're ultimately going to make their own choices. I mean, we. When all is said and done, our kids will grow up and make their own choices about serving God. We've got to try to do our best to influence them so that when they get to that point of making their own decisions, they'll make good ones. But even even good parents can have children who are not faithful to the Lord. We understand that. That's reality. And it not it is not a one-to-one relationship. It's not, it is not the case that if a per- person's children become unfaithful, that it proves they did a bad parenting job. It is not a one-to-one relationship. You can do your best, and your children might still turn out badly, but do your best. You know, the, you, you got to do your best. You're going to give them a lot better chances of living a right of your children growing up to live righteous lives if you do your best. Do your best. The kids are going to ultimately make their own decisions. So good parents can have bad kids, but kids can overcome the bad example of their parents sure. too. And we see the examples of that in the scripture. We're all responsible. Yeah. And we, we, we don't, your explanation is great, but we don't want to explain away what Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 right. says. And that says you have a responsibility to train up your child in the way they should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Yeah, that's, that's the generally true statement. The Proverbs are statements that are, are typically true. There are exceptions to the things that are stated there, but generally it is true. And if we do a good job of, of instructing our children, they will grow up to love and fear God as well. And, but remember what we said at the start of the program, a small window of opportunity. Your influence is greatest in the early years of life. It diminishes year by year. You got to do your job while you have a chance. And the converse of Proverbs 22 verse 6 is true as well. Train up a child in a way that he shouldn't go. And when he's old, he'll likely not depart from that as well. So if you're going to tra- want your children to be faithful to the Lord, you must uh, do your diligence uh, to train them up as they should go. Um, Jack in the chat room says, uh, we're not perfect, but we need to try to do better, try harder to do better. We can do this. Don't be discouraged. I think that's a, I think that's a good point to, to maybe end with. You know, we, we've been talking about Parents might get overwhelmed when you think about all the challenges of doing uh, the proper job of raising your children. But I like Jack's observation there. Uh, it is it is a doable thing. It can be done. It's not easy. I think parenting is the toughest job any of us will ever have. But it's doable. It can be done. And God's not giving out passes because you live in 2010 when it's wicked out there. He's not He's not going to give you a pass on your parenting. You're still responsible. Exactly right. All right. Thank you for the good discussion tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for your comments. We hope you benefited uh, from your dis- the discussion tonight. We look forward to you being a part of the virtual Bible study again this time next week. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.